think it's eight o'clock in Yerushalayim. This is Rabbi Chaim Bravenberg, Rosh Yeshiva of the Web Yeshiva. And we're going to learn a little bit of about the parsha, an idea from the parsha. Remember, several weeks ago, we learned the parsha of Vayeshev. Vayeshev is really the parsha that begins the story of Yosef. The story that effectively ends in the parsha of Vayechi, this week's parsha. So the beginning, the beginning Vayeshev, you see the psukim on the board. Vayeshev Yaakov Ba'eretz Migurei Aviv Ba'eretz Kanan. It's kind of, we say something about Yaakov, but immediately transfer to Yosef. Eile Toldot Yaakov. Yosef Ben Shana. Yosef was 17 years old. That's why we start the story of Yosef, even though we know a little bit about what happened before he was 17 years old. But that's where we start. That's where we start. But you have this funny construction in the beginning of the Pesach, Eile Toldot Yaakov Yosef, that the generations of Yaakov begin with Yosef. Now, this is not, you know, not at all clear. Not at all clear what that, uh, what that means. So let's look at Rashi. You see the Rashi? It's kind of in the middle of the Rashi. The end of a line. Eile Toldot Yaakov. I hope you've got it, right? It's highlighted black. So what does Rashi say about this strange construction, which is confusing? Eile Shel Toldot Yaakov. This is something that happened because of Yaakov. These are the places that they dwelt in the following parashiyot. We're going to learn where Yaakov was, where Yosef was, how they how he got to Mitzrayim, to Egypt. All of that we're going to to learn. We're going to learn. The, the rolling of the balls, right? The, 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 how, how people roll around in life and get to wherever it is, wherever it is they get to. He says, until they got to where they settled. Where they settled, I guess, is in Egypt. How did the Jews get from Eretz Canaan to Egypt? It's a kind of a complicated story. It's a story that we've learned for the past several weeks. Siba Rishona. Siba in uh, in this kind of Hebrew means cause. First cause. Yosef ben Shvazreishana. That was the beginning of the beginning. You know that the beginning of a story is not always easy to determine. Remember that in the Haggadah, in Haggadah, there's a, like a hidden question in the in the uh, Haggadah, and that's like, how did we get here? How did we get? How did we get to be who we are? How are we uh, supposed to understand our trip in history? So you know that in the Haggadah, there are three answers to that question. 
One answer is That's where we all started. We were slaves to Paro in Mitzrayim. Before that, we were on a different path. We didn't really know where we were going, but suddenly it became clear to us. The second answer is First, we lived in a world of idolatry. And the story of Pesach, the story of getting out of that world, of getting to a new world, now that was not easy. It was, in fact, what happened to the Jews at time of Yitziat Mitzrayim. But it wasn't easy and it didn't last. And you have to only learn the book of Shoftim as we are doing in a different, under a different heading. You look, learn the book of Shoftim, you see how difficult it was for Am Yisrael to rid themselves of idolatry. It was just something that they couldn't do for more than 40 years. In one case, for 80 years. But 40 years and 80 years is not what we think of ourselves. We think of ourselves as ridding ourselves of idolatry. The third answer to the question of how do we get to where we are and who are we and in the, in the Haggadah, and the Haggadah is Arami Eid Avi my father, meaning Yaakov in this case, went down to Mitzrayim. And that's the that, uh, Arami Ovedev went down to the Aramean who wanted to kill him, actually. So that, that uh, the beginning of the story is very, very important. Because the beginning of the story, whatever you decide, the beginning of the story is, and it'll tell you something about the rest of the story. So here we have a statement in Rashi, which says that, that the, the story of Yosef starts here, 17 years old, the apple of his father's eye, going somehow to find out where they are, where are the brothers, and everything that happens there. So if you analyze each of those steps, analyze each of the steps, you'll understand why each of them was necessary. But that's not what we're doing right now. What we're doing right now is, is, is going through the Rashi. And Rashi said, Yosef ben Shrasra was 17 years old. And it was this caused him, like, like right now, what's happening right now when he's with his father's house and he's acting like a, like a child, uh, actually. That's where it all started. That's where it all started. The Galgalubia do Mitzrayim. Le Mitzrayim. V'zeo achar pshuto shel mikra. Le'yot davar dibur al ofranam. So Rashi has this idea that a posuk that something written in the Torah has a pshat. I mean, you could read it and understand it. That's pshat. But when Rashi says, Zeu pshat, pshutoso mikra, he means you have to look a little further. You have to be able to understand a little bit more about what the Torah is saying. So what he says, he says, Zeu pshutoso mikra, you know that some other interpretation is about to come up. Midrash Agada Doresh. Midrash Agada means 
not exactly pshat, something that, that you have to think about, but you might be able to say there's not pshat. I mean, you might even be of a, if you haven't learned a lot of Chumash, you haven't learned a lot of Chumash with me, that you don't, uh, uh, you might think that it's very difficult, it's very difficult to, uh, to live in a world uh, without pshat. But actually, it's not. Because the world without Pshat is the world of Rashi. That's what Rashi wanted us to know. So listen, Medrash Haggadah Doresh. There's a Medrash that explains this Pasuk, but not in the way of Pshat, in, in the Medrash way. And what's the Medrash way here? Talah Katuv Toldot Yaakov Yosef. That the generations of Yaakov are somehow connected to Yosef. Why did they come to that conclusion that Yosef, that Yaakov was dependent upon Yosef? After all, we all know that Yaakov was really in love with Rachel. And therefore, and therefore, Eitzel El Barachel, and we also know that the, that Yosef looked a lot like his father. The shine of his face was similar to his father's. And Rashi here short shortcuts it. He says everything that happened to Yaakov also happened to Yosef. This one, Yaakov was hated by his brother. Yaakov, his brother, wanted to kill him. And Yosef, his brothers tried to, to kill him, or at least considered it. And he quotes a source of Bereshit Rabbah. We'll look at a different at a different source in a minute. Uh, so Rashi says there's another drasha, like not pshat. Once you kind of re- re- remove yourself from the boundaries of pshat, well, you could have many interpretations. You can't say that one is better than the other, but we can say that Rashi approved of them. It made sense to Rashi, and he goes and he continues. So now, if uh, if we turn the page. We could look at the Medrash. Ezra will help me. Uh, no, the Medrash. Back one. Back one. Back another one. Oh, no. Another. Sorry, keep going. That's it. No, another one. Uh, no, where, where's the Medrash Rabbah? This is not it. One. Uh, no, another one. I mean, I just, we just did this. Rashi to Breshit. Uh, here it is. Babid Barabba. Great. Thank you very much, Ezra. You see the Medrash Rabba. Medrash Rabba is a Medrash. It's a collection of things that Rashi had to look at and decide whether to include or not to include in his commentary. So he already included but but this medrash, which is a medrash of Bamidbar, right? Not not our sefer, which is the we're at the end of Bereshit. But nevertheless, as you will see in a moment, 
it's relevant. Look at the Medrash. I'm reading. Yaakov Yosef Yaakov and Yosef were both righteous. Both righteous, okay. Uh, I guess. I, I, I don't think you have to really prove that in any way. And the two of them, Yaakov and Yosef, you see, Yaakov and Yosef, were similar to each other. Atya kehahi the Amar, we bring something that was said by Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani, Eile Toldot Yaakov Yosef, Eile Toldot, that's the, the beginning of that first pasuk that we read, Lo Yatsarich Keraya Lememar, Eile Toldot Yaakov Ruve, the pasuk should have said, Eile Toldot Yaakov Ruve, because Ruvein was clearly the oldest son. Mama Memar Eile Toldot Yaakov Yosef. So how come the pasuk says, the Toldot of Yaakov and starts for Yosef, and Yosef was the oldest son of his second wife, Rachel, and he is certainly a lot younger than Ruvain. So why did, how did that happen? Lilamed Shehaya Yosef Domela Davar to teach you that Yosef was exactly like his father in every manner. Now listen to the manners that are listed. My Yaakov nolad mahu. Yaakov was, was born circumcised. A certain number of children every every year or so are born in this way. Half Yosef nolad mahu. He was also circumcised. His mother didn't have children. He, Yaakov's mother, Rivka, she had to daven really hard to have a child. Avzeh. This one too, Yosef, his his wife, for a while was uh, barren. His mother was in great pain from the pregnancy. The same thing is true about Yosef and his mother. Yaakov. His mother had twins. Yosef's mother also had two sons, not twins, but two. Yaakov, his, his brother, wanted to kill him. And Yosef, his brother, so they're very similar. Not only similar in the way they look or the way they act, but in the events that made up their life. They're the same. This one, Yaakov, his brother hated him. I mean, it's all the same. He was a shepherd and he was a shepherd. This one was hated. That one was hated. I mean, you could say he's going on with the same thing, but but it's not. Right, Yaakov got the bracha, Yosef got the bracha. Out of Eretz Yisrael, and he, Yosef, also went outside of 
out of Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov married in outside of Eretz Yisrael, so did Yosef. Yaakov and Yosef both had sons outside of Eretz Yisrael. Each of them was accompanied at some point in their lives by angels. Uh, right? Yaakov reached his uh, height through the dream that he had, and Yosef also had a dream that brought him to great uh, heights. This one was in the house of his father-in-law, and this one's the house of his father-in-law. Yaakov went to Mitzrayim. Yosef went to Mitzrayim. What? I have a I have an editor here. My wife is my editor. Yeah, and which one did I miss? I missed it. Yaakov brought the famine to an end, and Yosef brought the famine to an end. To an end. This one, you know, I mean, it just goes on. It goes on and on. Now we could look into each of these things. You can look into each of these things. Is it really true? Is it, I mean, some of these things certainly are true, but are they meaningful? But the, but the, the, the sheer list, the overwhelming number of ways Yaakov and Yosef are seen as being the same. They're not just similar. When the, when, when the Medrash says that there are 20 different points at which we could say Yaakov and Yosef are the same, well, that must mean something. It, it can't just mean that they looked upon that as a, as a statistical accident. But they, they thought of it as being a message. Somebody to say something, but they don't tell us what the message is. So I thought, I thought that the message might have been a message about the position of Yosef in Jewish history. Now we know that Yosef was a very important person, and he did great things for the world. And he also was the agent that fulfilled divine will. The divine will was to bring them down to Mitzrayim. They should prosper there, but they would be enslaved. Eventually, leave Mitzrayim and get to Har Sinai and get the Torah. All of this was kind of uh, affected by Yosef. He was the one who did it. I mean, of course, Abraham did what he did, and Yitzchak what he did, and Yaakov what he did, but Yosef moved history as we saw at the beginning when we looked at the Pesukim in Vayeshev, and Eile told Yaakov Yosef that Yosef was the one who generated who generated the uh, uh, history. Jewish history had a cause. Had somebody who, who pushed it along. And the one who pushed it along was Yosef. So I asked the question this way. Why was it that Yosef did not merit being one of the Avot? 
Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and it's in the Torah that there are three Avot, and not any more. But should there have been one more? Shouldn't Yosef have been one of the Avot? One of the Avot. So in order to, in, in order to understand that there are two uh, uh, sets of Sukim that I want you to look at, and I think they'll help us to understand something about Yosef, which is left out of this Medrash Rabbah, Rabidba Rabbah. So if uh, if we can turn the page to Breshit Perik Nun, uh, Ezra, ah, there, there you go. No, one more, turn one more. Breshit Perik Nun. This is the Rashi. I want the Psukim. Ezra? Can you do it? Oh, there you go. Thank you very much. Vayavu, you made me bechiato. It's Yaakov. Yaakov died, and uh, and they all all of Mitzrayim was uh, was mourning. But then the yeah, they understood that Yaakov was uh, something special. Wasn't a regular person who died. Yaakov was old, but he, his death was seen as being something very serious. And Yosef spoke to the household of Paro, I mean, whoever was in charge. If I found favor in your eyes, speak to Paro in the following way. Say say this to him. Avi hishpi hispiani lemor inei anochimait bekivri ashekariti li beretz kedan shamatikbreini. My father asked, especially he knew that it would be difficult and that it would be problematic, but he wanted to be buried in the burial the the burial spot that I prepared that he prepared for himself in Eretz Canaan, bury me there. Vata Yosef says, The critical word here in this sentence is Vashuva. Yosef is saying to the Egyptians, I'm going to bury my father in Canaan. And the Egyptians knew that Canaan didn't hold a candle to Egypt in those days. Egypt was the center of the world. It was the breadbasket of all the Middle East. Everybody came to Egypt to get food to eat. Yosef was now well known to everybody. Yosef was from Canaan. And and what Yosef is saying is to them, he says, I know that you're, you're perhaps concerned that I'll take my father to bury him there and I won't come back. So I promise you, the Ashuva. And they believed him. And Paro said, I can't imagine that he was entirely without uh, intelligence. Okay, you can go. And Yosef went up, he went up to Eretz Kenan. 
to bury his father by Alu, he told Paul Abdei Paro Zikne Beito, they called Zikne Eretz Mitzrayim. And they, they left together all the elders of Egypt, all the important personalities, they all went together. Pasukhet. They called Beit Yosef the Achav. So here you see, uh, he went. When Moshe Rabbeinu comes to ask for the same thing from Paro, Paro understood that they would never come back. And he said, not, yeah, Paro understood that. Why does he need Why does he need such a heavy uh, group of, of soldiers and, and chariots and all going with him? Okay, I understand it's important, but still, if you're going quickly to do something and come back, you don't need the Machanek Aved mode, I think. They came to a certain place, on the eastern side of the of the Jordan. They had a they uh, they uh, they mourned him. He spoke about him. And they had this uh, mourning period for seven days. They're doing the real job here. And the Canaanites was living there, saw what was going on. This is a really sad time for the Egyptians. So they called it Avel Mitzrayim. The mourning of the Egyptians. That's how so many Egyptians were there. The Yasubanavlo Kashetsivam. And Yaakov's sons did as they were directed. They mourned him, they prepared him, they got him ready to to be buried in the Bharata Machpelava Yisu Basukyu Gimel El To Banav Artsa Kinaam. They brought him into the land of Canaan and they buried him in the what we call today So you see, Yaakov was buried and Yaakov was connected to Abraham in the burial. When Yaakov said to his son Yosef and his other son, he said, I want to be buried in Eretz Canaan. He didn't mean I want to be married in Eretz Kedan. He meant I want to be buried with Avram Avinu, with my grandfather. And they they saw I'm sorry, Pasuk Yudalit. We missed one Pasuk. The Yash of Yosef Mitraima Huvechav. 
Yosef came back to Mitzrayim. He and his brothers, he told the Gibor, et aviv, achar kavro, et aviv. So just remember these words. Ashuva. That's what Yosef said. He said, I'm going to come back to Mitzrayim. I'm going to come back to Mitzrayim. And the last three psukim in this parak, not it's not I'm missing a few psukim, but it's okay. It And Yosef had the same problem that his father had. It came to pass that Yosef knew that he was going to die. So that Yosef himself says, He himself says that he's not Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. And Yosef made them promise. God will remember you. Then you'll bring my my uh, bones up from here to Eretz Kinan. He died. He was 110 years old. And they prepared him in the ways that they did in Egypt. And he was put into an Aaron in Mitzrayim, into a casket where he would remain until Yitziat Mitzrayim. So Yosef had to make a choice. Yosef had to make a choice. Is he going to engineer the burial of Yaakov and join him in Eretz Canaan, stay in Eretz Canaan, as difficult as it might be? Or is he going to become well, his new identity? New identity would be that he, Yosef, is part of the family of Yaakov and not another stage of the Avot. And so Yosef makes that decision. He says to Paro, I know you think that I might not come back, but I will come back because I am part of the people, the community, the nation of Israel. And even though I have a lot of merits, even though I am similar to my father in many ways, and even though it would be easy enough for me to think that I could become one of the Avot, it's not who I really am. I'm really one of the people. I'm really one of the family. And I'm not another level of the Avot. And it may be that even though Yosef was similar to his father in many ways, it's also true. It's also true that Yosef 
was an Egyptian and was able to function alone in the world as an Egyptian. And it must be, I mean, it must be that this caused Yosef some difficulty. And he knew that the children of Yaakov, the children of Yaakov were not perfect. The children of Yaakov were the people who were able to, to do tshuva, to, to look at their past history and say, I can improve, I can change. It wasn't, that was not the style of the avot. The avot were pretty much perfect in the way they did things, the way they lived, and Yosef knew that his, his position in bringing all of Am Yisrael to Mitzrayim, that was his job, his destiny, that his destiny was not able to, to place him in the category of the pure, even though we saw that both Rashi and the Medrash seemed to say that they were both tzaddikim, but the word tzaddikim is a word that you know has a lot of different connotations to it and doesn't really mean necessarily mean equal that a if you say those two people are tzaddikim over there the people over there it doesn't mean that they're exactly the same it's a word that gives you a lot of leeway so even though yosef was certainly a tzaddik but he was not one of the others because he could not be imitated or identified with a hundred percent, having lived most of his life in Mitzrayim and having to prove to the people in Mitzrayim that he was with them, he was one of them. So I think that uh, I think that we end the story of Yosef here at the end of the Parsha of Vayechi. Yosef dies and he says, I will leave, I will leave, I will leave Egypt and go to Eretz Kinaan, getting the Torah on the way, right, getting the Torah on the way, because I, Yosef, I need that, getting the Torah. It could be that Yaakov, as I'll say that the Avos knew the Torah. They were able to intuit what God wanted of them. And Yosef knew about himself that he needed Matan Torah. He needed to get to Eretz Israel, but taking a stop at Har Sinai. That was Yosef. Okay. I wish you all a good Shabbos. Be well.